Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film writers Y. Trambui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right. So yesterday we had our big Snyder Cut discussion. So Chris, let's kick things off today on our news show uh, talking about the Snyderverse. What can people expect in terms of potentially more entries in Zack Snyder's vision? They can expect nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, after, you know, I, I was hoping that the Snyder Cut movement, after it got what it wanted, would take at least like a few days to you know revel in their success because you know in, they, in the end they won they got what they wanted but there are still members of that movement who want more they want Zack Snyder to basically be running the show when it comes to Warner Brothers DC movies and there's been some renewed hope that with the Snyder cut now out there and with critics being surprisingly positive towards it including myself that there was hope. There was hope that Warner Brothers would say, you know what, we're bringing Zack Snyder back. But um, that is is definitely not happening. I shouldn't say definitely, because there was a long time when we were all like, there will definitely not be a Snyder cut. Mm -hmm. And that happened. So maybe someday 
that'll happen. But as of right now, Warner Brothers is making pretty clear they really have no plans for that. Uh, Ann Sarnoff, who's um, a CEO with Warner Media, gave an interview with um, Variety. And during the interview, she was asked multiple questions about this very topic. And one of the questions was, are you going to uh, restore the Snyderverse, as it's called? And she said uh, flat out no. She said, I appreciate that they, they being the fans, love Zach's work, and we are very thankful for his many contributions to DC. With that comes the completion of his trilogy. And that trilogy would be, of course, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and now Justice League. Uh, She continues, we're very happy we've done this, but we're very excited about the plans we have for all the multidimensional DC characters that are being developed right now. Um, she was also asked if there was any chance they were going to have the air cut of uh, Suicide Squad. For those who don't know, Suicide Squad, which is a, just an awful movie, um, <laughs> went through a lot of behind the scenes uh, turmoil. Um, long story short, they premiered a trailer for it at Comic-Con. The trailer was a really good trailer. It was funny. It was upbeat. It was sort of lighthearted. And unfortunately, that did not reflect the tone of the film. The film was, uh, by all accounts, much darker. And Warner Brothers saw how much everyone loved that trailer, and they were like, "Uh uh-oh, we got a problem here. And so they actually brought the company who edited the trailer in to re-edit the movie and try and make it more fun, which, uh, uh, you know, no bones about it, that failed because the end result was a really bad movie. But uh, with the Snyder Cut movement, there's been some talk of, well, now they should do this for David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad. And uh, Anne Sarnoff said, again, I quote, we won't be developing David Ayer's cut. And that's it. That's literally all she said about that. (laughs) So in other words, there's, you know, it definitely seems like the Snyderverse, if you want to call it that, is over and done with. And, um... Warner Brothers is moving on. They're do they're trying to do new things with their DC characters. So, what do you think about that, Chris? Like, you know, we had this whole long discussion yesterday about the Snyder Cut, and I think we we came down on like, you know, there's a bunch of good, interesting stuff in it. it it's an interesting experience overall. Maybe like the whole thing wasn't really for us. We had a lot of problems with it too. But uh, you know, maybe take if you can try to separate the uh, the loud fandom from it and just like hone in on your own. Uh, perception here would you have wanted to see uh, more stuff from Snyder let's let's also throw in uh, that it would just to just to sweeten the deal a little bit let's take that nightmare verse that sort of alternate timeline off the table and say that he wouldn't have only done something in that would you have been interested in seeing Zack Snyder tell more stories in this universe you know that that's an interesting question because if he was going ahead with you know his nightmare sequels I would it would be a flat out. No, absolutely not. Um, and I also really don't like the idea of Zack Snyder being sort of like the, the person overseeing the entire, it, it sounds like the fans of Zack Snyder want him to be like the Kevin, the Kevin Feige or Kevin, how do you say his name? Feige? Uh, Feige. Kevin Feige of, of DC. And I really don't want that. You know, I, I, I just don't think Zack Snyder is the right person to be steering these movies. Honestly, I, I said this on the, on the Snyder cut podcast we did, but he's great at visuals. I just don't like his interpretation of these characters. Mm-hmm. I said the other day, he doesn't understand his characters, but I, I'll walk that back and say, that's not fair because these characters have changed over time. And, you know, uh, there's no real one interpretation. You know, I feel like you are, you know, these characters are flexible in the sense that everyone is entitled to their own interpretation of them. I just don't 
particularly like Zack Snyder's interpretation. So mm-hmm. I would much rather them do their own thing. Honestly, I would much rather them give up entirely on connected movies and do more interesting one-off things. You know, uh, Joker has its flaws, but I like the idea of these standalone movies that don't have to be beholden to something that came before it. Mm-hmm. I, I I rewatched Aquaman last night because I was just in the mood for it. And that movie is so great, but there's even a part in that movie where Amber Heard is like, you defeated Steppenwolf. And just hearing that line <laughs> immediately took me out of the fucking movie because I don't, I don't need this to be connected to anything. Just let it be its own thing. That, but yeah. I know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority there since shared universes are goddamn big, but that's how I've, I've always felt. Uh, HT, in the, um, you know, uh, knowing that I very well could be stepping on a later conversation that we might have in the water cooler later this week, have you had a chance to watch the Snyder Cut yet? You know, I've only watched half of it so far. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know if you saw my tweet on Sunday night at 10 p.m., but I hit play literally at 10 p.m. Okay. Oh and I uh, just got, yeah, I got halfway through and I was like, all right, I'm going to take a break now. Okay, well, this is kind of maybe the the best personal or the best possible outcome then. So, uh, do you plan on finishing it before we have our water cooler episode? Yeah, I, I okay. plan on finishing it. I, I was going to, yeah, I just need to take it in, in parts, which I'm happy yes. they they divided it into chapters for that. So, yeah, I I uh, retain my um, uh, no, not retain, but you know, hold back oh, my yeah. my uh, opinion on it until I finish it. Okay, I look forward to hearing what you think. All right, let's go into our next story, which is uh, just a couple of release date shifts and some interesting Disney news. Uh, I guess the the most relevant for our listeners is probably that Black Widow is actually going to be coming to Disney Plus and theaters on July 9th. So it was originally supposed to come to theaters only on May 7th, but Disney has now changed its tune a little bit, and it is going to be a premier access title, which, which means you have to pay whatever it is, $30. I, I don't know if they're locked in, if premier access always equals $30, or if that pricing is ever going to change. I think thus far it has only been $30, but it'll be curious because this is the first Marvel movie that will be going, you know, getting this treatment, going straight to uh, Disney Plus and also playing in theaters. And I feel like if Disney is going to uh, experiment with changing the pricing um, on in that premier access tier. This seems like the movie to to play around with that a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. That's that's pure speculation on my part. Um, Cruella, the Emma Stone led movie, is also going to be getting that same hybrid release treatment. Uh, that movie is going to be coming to Disney Plus and theaters on May twenty eighth, and then. Uh, Luca, which is the new uh, Pixar movie, is going to be going straight to Disney Plus, no theaters, it sounds like, on uh, June 18th. So that one is going to be basically how uh, Disney Plus handled Soul, where you're not going to have to pay extra to see uh, that new Pixar movie. So that's nice for people to sort of have that as like a, a quote unquote freebie there. And then um, there's there are a handful of other release date changes. I won't go through all of those here, um, but you can click on the uh, news article in the show notes for this episode and get more details about that. The only uh, one thing that I'll mention is that um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is another Marvel movie that is supposed to be coming out this year, it was actually supposed to be coming out in July, has been bumped uh, back to September. And then um, Eternals, which is the third and final (laughs) Marvel film that's supposed to be coming out in 2021, uh, seems to thus far have retained its release date in November. So I think that one's supposed to come out on November 5th of this year. So uh, yeah, Black Widow in... uh, 
uh, on July 9th, and then Shang-Chi on September 3rd, and uh, Eternals on November 5th, if you're paying attention to Marvel movie stuff. So I just wanted to give everybody that update. And again, there's there's more details here um, in, in the actual article itself, but you can click over and, and read that if you choose. So let's go to our next story, which involves more Game of Thrones spinoffs in development at HBO. HG, tell us about that. Yes, there are three Game of Thrones uh, developments, spinoffs in the works at HBO. Uh, They're developing three new projects in the world of Westeros and Essos and maybe beyond. The three series are Nine Voyages, a.k.a. Sea Snake, Flea Bottom, and 10,000 Ships. So... I'm going to give a little bit of of background. Um, Nine Voyages refers to the great voyages at sea made by Lord Corlys Valerion, who is a distant relation of Targaryens that also descended from ancient ancient Valyria like them. And um, it's his journeys from Westeros to cities like in Essos like Lys, Tyrosh, and Myr, and far off fabled lands like Yeeti and Lang and the frozen seas north of Westeros. So it's a kind of a classic seafaring fantasy. um, And it's the project that's reportedly the farthest along. The mentalist creator and Rome co-creator Bruno Heller is reportedly involved in this project alongside Martin. The other two projects, Flea Bottom and and, uh, 10,000 Ships, are more in very, very early development. The Flea Bottom one is set in the maze-like slum of King's Landing. Uh, We've seen it featured prominently in early seasons of Game of Thrones, Um, but there isn't any storyline or uh, creative team in place for that one just yet. And I can't really imagine that one being really interesting either, even though it is known for being very maze-like, labyrinthine type of setting that I can't, I feel like it would be difficult for whoever takes on that project to resist going into uh, the keep, for example, because it's just mm. like right there. Yeah. Um, and the last show being explored by HBO is 10,000 Ships, which refers to the journey made by Princess Nymeria and the surviving Roiners after the, their defeat in the ancient war with Valyria in Essos uh, to Dorne about 1,000 years before the events of A Song in Ice and Fire. And Princess Nymeria was this great warrior queen who weds herself to the Martell family and unites uh, Dorne to become the ruling sovereign and builds up the kingdom to be the one that we know in Game of Thrones. Uh, you might know her, like her character as the one that Arya names her wolf after, and she's one of like these legendary um like Dornish queens there was I remember back when I was watching Game of Thrones there was like one of those uh animated Game of Thrones um like little blu-ray sequences do you remember those Ben Mm -hmm. uh the that there was one that was like um, narrated by Pedro Pascal and it talked about like the the history of Dorn and Princess Nymeria specifically so that one I think is like the most intriguing but um I do think that the uh the seafaring one, uh, Nine Voyages or Sea Snake, uh, has potential too. But yeah, th- it seems like HBO is really exploring like all the hidden corners of um, George R. R. Martin's world, and it's it's becoming intriguing. I remember when this story hit, there was some uh, confusion because uh, of the title, like the subtitle Sea Snake for Nine Voyages, and I think it was like either Variety or Hollywood Reporter who put a picture of the sand snakes. Mm. The sand snakes do not feature in these spinoffs, and I just wanted to, you know, clarify that. Yes. This, uh, Man, what a bunch of boneheads. <laughs> I hope they're... <laughs> So and um, and there was also a lot of criticisms over that because of how the 
the, the Game of Thrones series butchered, not butchered, botched their depiction of the Sand Snakes uh, to begin with. One of the reasons that I stopped watching the show because I was really disappointed. I really love the Sand Snakes and uh, then they just completely dropped the ball on them. But uh, hopefully if they do do one that's more Dorne-centric like the 10,000 Ships one, it will uh, leave behind some of the troubling uh, sort of ethnic problems that Game of Thrones had in the past. Yeah, certainly. And Flea Bottom, just for, you know, you mentioned the maze-like sort of, uh, you know, this is like the the area that's right outside of the, essentially the castle in King's Landing. And that's, uh, Flea Bottom specifically, I think is supposed to be like the poorest part of uh, of the town. Yes. And I want to say that, um, what's his name? Uh uh, Sir Davos, the uh, the Onion Knight, came from there, and then um, also one of the other uh, uh, spinoff shows that there, or I guess prequel shows that they're developing, which is um, Duncan Egg. Uh, the character of Dunk, uh, Sir Duncan the Tall, is um, this sort of like wandering young knight who who you know he's like a squire who basically gets turned into a knight basically in the in the very beginning of of those series of stories, and he is also from there. So I wonder if there's you know, if they're thinking about, you know, connecting, you know, having a, you know, it, during the, the, the flea bottom show, you could have Sir Duncan the Tall walking by or something in the background, you know, like those little connections. Um, I'm not sure yeah. exactly what year that's supposed to be set. but I don't know how, like, how you would make an interesting story out of flea bottom, though. I mean, it's just, it's, it is a, a facet of, uh, of Westeros that is little explored apart from various characters who are from it. Gendry Baratheon is also, or Gendry Waters. Mm, mm. Uh, is also from there he's one of the bastards um births by uh um, robert baratheon but uh it's just it's just kind of those i don't want to say it's not as interesting as like it's not what game of people came to game of thrones for basically yeah it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of like how um god i can't remember the name of the show but it was like the uh it was set in the world of DC and uh, Alan Tudyk played like Bruce Wayne's cousin or something. And it was on, I think it was like an NBC sitcom like basically. or something? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and it was sort of like set in, in the world of superheroes, but it was kind of dealing with characters who were, you know, didn't have anything to do with superheroes. And it's just like them cleaning up the messes and like working at like an insurance company or something like that. I, I didn't actually watch the show, but this, this sounds kind of like it could be something like that where it, you know, maybe it, it follows like a, a gang of thieves or something in, in Flea Bottom who's always like messing with the palace guards or whatever. And like you just the, the entire show is set in the in the shadow of these way more important, quote unquote, events that are taking place that, you know, and it's about these people who just have to like deal with these decisions that are made from upon high and, and like you know all of this stuff, uh, all of these decisions, you know, end up coming back and, and affecting them in some way. But um yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I feel like this is the least uh, interesting of them. I was just, you know, when you're talking about how could there be a flea bottom show, I'm racking my brain trying to come up with some way for that to be interesting. And that's the best I can do on short notice. So, <laughs> um, all right, well, let's let's move on to our next story, which involves uh, Regal Cinemas. And they are going to be uh, reopening their doors. And then I guess arguably even more interesting than that is uh, what Warner Brothers plans to do about its whole HBO Max experiment next year when the the 2021 experiment uh, seemingly comes to an end. So Chris, what what's going on there? Well, Regal Cinemas are planning to reopen in the US on uh, April 2nd. Uh, in the UK, the plan is May 17th. And that would make uh, Godzilla versus Kong is kind of like going to be the, the first big 
blockbuster back on the big screens at Regal Cinemas. Um, but with this news comes also the news that Cineworld, who uh, owns Regal Cinemas, just signed a, a deal with Warner Brothers. Uh, let me get the actual text here. So. I get it right. The deal will, quote, see the number two global exhibitor show the studio's 2021 theatrical on HBO Max day and date titles in the U.S. as of their theatrical release. Then, beginning in 2022, Warner Brothers theatrical films will have a 45-day window of theatrical exclusivity at Cineworld's Regal chain. Uh, in other words, this this thing that Warner Brothers is currently doing where all of their 2021 theatrical releases are also hitting HBO Max the same day they hit theaters is definitely going to be over in 2022. We had, we all, we all kind of speculated when Warner Brothers first announced this, that it was going to be uh, like impossible to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak, that once they open this door, it's going to be hard to go back. But as of now, Warner Brothers really is planning to do that because this, they have to have an exclusive theatrical release for at least 45 days. You know, they can always, I guess in theory, put these movies on HBO Max after 45 days. I don't, I don't know how they're going to let this play out. But as of now, this this experiment will definitely be ending in 2022. I was going to ask about that. It, it, like the the HBO Max thing is, was there any indication that you know right after that 45 day window, these titles will drop on HBO Max at that point, or do you think it might go to like? Uh, paid video on demand at that point? Or what do you think? I mean, I guess if we don't have any details, it's all speculation, but just like, what, what's your read on that? I mean, spe- if I had to speculate, I would say maybe they would drop them on HBO Max because they've already experimented with that. But uh, I also just, I don't have all the details on like what deta- what deals HBO or Warner Brothers has with other theatrical chains. Cause like, this is just Regal and Cineworld. So they mm-hmm. might have a completely different deal with AMC and and all that, all that, all that good stuff. So I really don't know. I mean, ideally uh, they, they have HBO max. They want more subscribers. I think it would make sense to be like, okay, it's been 45 days. Now you can get this on HBO max. But at the same time, I worry that. And when I say worry, I mean, I don't care because I haven't seen a game, but I worry that they're going to, they would like sabotage themselves in a way because some people will be like, why would I go into the theater? When I just wait, you know, a month and it'll be on HBO Max, you know, a month mm-hmm. and a few days. So I, I don't know how they're going to play that. Yeah, I'm curious about that because, you know, I, I guess if if they were to not put them on HBO Max after that 45 day window and put them directly in into, you know, a, a PVOD situation, that would really be like closing the door dramatically on this 2021 experiment, right? But I think if they were to uh, do the HBO Max thing right after 45 days, then it would at least sort of like ease, uh, you know, audiences who may have grown comfortable with seeing, you know, these top tier, you know, high high quality sort of like quote unquote premium movies uh, at home. It would it would ease that pain of that transition a little bit from instead of, you know, quitting to- cold turkey, it would basically just be like, all right, well now, you know, it, it's out in theaters if you want to go see it for the next whatever uh month and a half and then it'll come to HBO max. And like you said, I think that makes sense in the long term for like driving subscribers. Cause that seems to be all anybody cares about right now is like subscribers for all of these different streaming services. So um, I hope for like, you know, the uh, ease of use and customers sake overall that they end up just uh, 
doing a 45 day theatrical thing and then just dropping it straight on HBO max. But I go, I guess we'll have to have to wait and see on that. Um, all right. We have two more, uh, news stories to talk about and HD, you're going to cover both of them. They are uh, both superhero related. Um, so why don't you start off with uh, the latest on a Zatanna movie? Yeah, Warner Brothers has tapped uh, promising young woman writer-director Emerald Fennell to write Zatanna, uh, their new comic book movie and latest female-led DC superhero film, um, and the first one to be the female, solo female superhero movie after Wonder Woman. So Emerald Fennell has been tapped to pen Zatanna, which comes from Warner Brothers, DC Films, and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions. The role of Zatanna has not been cast yet, nor has a director been named. But uh, this is a, you know, a big, a exciting new uh, project for Emerald Fennell, who has, whose promising young, young woman has become like a great Oscar uh, underdog, a really surprising Oscar underdog, actually, because it hers her film is 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 good, but it didn't wasn't considered like as much of an awards uh, contender as it has been in the past couple of weeks. So mm -hmm. good for her, and um, she obviously has a real talent for um, tapping into female rage and a female vigilantism in some ways. So uh, this seems like an interesting and exciting new step for her. Zatanna, uh, for those who don't know, is a magician sort of sorcerer character who is considered one of the most powerful sorcerers in the DC universe. Her She, she inherited her magical abilities from her father, uh, Giovanni Satara, who was a Golden Age comic book hero. And she's uh, been frequently connected to uh, the Justice League as well as Batman. Um, she had her live action debut in uh, Smallville, played by Serena Swan, but this will be her first big screen appearance. Yeah, I think Zatanna is one of those characters that um, popped up a lot on the potential roster for a Justice League Dark movie that was being bandied about for many, many years. I think uh, Guillermo del Toro was attached to direct that at one point, but I don't think that ended. I I'm not exactly sure what the latest is on that project. I feel like it's, it's changed hands so many different times. Yeah, it hasn't technically been scrapped as far as I know. I was looking into it because Zatanna having, getting her own movie is kind of a potential hint that maybe a Justice League Dark movie could be on its way at some point because she is one of the founding members of that team. And mm. Justice, League, Justice League Dark is like the team that uh, essentially focuses more on supernatural cases versus like the main Justice League. Uh, mm -hmm. And it has characters like uh, Zatanna, Constantine, other characters who I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah. yeah I think it, like Swamp Thing might yeah, be in Swamp there. Swamp Thing. Exactly. So it's there's potential that sh this could be like opening the door for Justice League Dark, which, yeah, has never really been off the table. It's It was in development for many, many years. Guillermo del Toro was attached back in like 2015, but left the project uh, soon after because it just kind of stalled. And mm -hmm. now it's just like in that development hell phase, but hasn't technically been scrapped yet. So before we move on to uh, the, the last story, um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about like Emerald Fennel and, and the way that she uh, has, you know, she has like some experience writing vig female vigilantism and stuff like that. What, what do you think about uh, this as a career move for her, HG? I saw something really interesting on Twitter about how um, the only promotion for successful art house or indie directors now seems to be a, a Marvel movie, which is a really cynical way of saying it. And I kind of uh, agree with that too. But I do think that this is a, a exciting sort of 
stepping stone, if not just like a nice blank check for her to get a big blockbuster project under her belt and then do whatever she wants to do. Because I do think she's a really talented um, writer and director. She also uh, wrote and showrun Killing Eve season two, which I admittedly haven't seen. But um, Promising Young Woman is is really sharply written and um, a real just like dynamo of a, of a movie. So I, um, I am interested to see what she has in store next. It, it is kind of almost a little disappointing that it's going to be a superhero movie, but it's Zatanna and um, a character that hasn't really been explored much on the big screen. So she could potentially have a lot of room to just do what she wants with her and yeah. maybe go a little bit weird, go a little bit dark and supernatural. And um, I, especially with like the magical components could uh, potentially give her a lot of, of freedom to do something uh, unexpected, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's like the most exciting thing about this is, is that, you know, audiences don't really have a big connection to this character. So I think there is a, a ton of freedom. And hopefully that will mean that this won't be just like as formulaic as, uh, you know, as it might as it might be in a worst case scenario. So um, let's go to the, the last story of the day. And that involves uh, so Zatanna was DC. Let's go to a Marvel related show uh, that is in early development on Disney Plus. Yeah, over the aisle at Marvel, Disney Plus is reportedly in the early stages of development for a Hawkeye spinoff series about Echo, uh, who will be played in the upcoming Marvel series by Native American actress Alakwa Cox in her first big screen role, uh, or not big screen, in her first screen role. And Echo is a deaf Native American superhero with the power to copy other person's movements or fighting styles. And she ha- was the original... Um, owner of the Ronin title, which is the uh the super like the the rogue sort of title that uh Jeremy Renner's Clint Barton takes on um in the comics, but also you can see it at the beginning of Avengers Endgame after he lost his family in the blip and goes rogue on this mission of revenge. Uh, killing a bunch of people killing a bunch of people of color or something. Oh yeah. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Not I forgot about that part. God. <laughs> yeah, but um yeah, Ronan is a, a character that has frequently been associated with Hawkeye. He takes it on when he like uh separates from the Avengers. Uh but yes, Echo is the one who originally took on that mantle before take before becoming Echo. Her name is Maya Lopez in the comics. Um but um there's currently a writer's room being assembled for this series. Eaton and Emily Cohen have been set up to write an executive produce this series uh marvel studios is producing uh but it's still in very early stages as of yet and being explored but um and also shouldn't be noted that hawkeye hasn't even finished shooting yet Mm. so it's kind of they're already planning this spinoff as they're uh in production for hawkeye currently uh which feels very much in the lines of disney disney having um launched several spinoffs off of the mandalorian like season two finale so mm-hmm. it it's uh, it seems like it's kind of par for the course now for any disney disney plus series but um i admittedly don't know much about echo i have uh great familiarity with the hawkeye comic written by matt fraction and david aya aha i can't i don't know how to pronounce the name um and i adore that comic and i know that that comic has major inspiration on this series, but it, it seems like the series will also be taking a lot of different parts of Hawkeye's past and other um, sort of background in the Marvel comics, which I'm not as familiar with, uh, hence like Echo and um, other characters. But uh, I, I, guess I can't really say much about her. I feel like I, I feel a little bit, um, uh, let's see, uh, not anxious, but um, 
skeptical now that they're not doing just a straight adaptation of the Matt Fraction Hawkeye because I adore that series. I think it's perfect. And I, I kind of wish that it, they stuck to that irreverent, almost comedic story. Uh, but it feels like now it's becoming more about like, oh, the world and oh, it's Hawkeye and his tragic past and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. I do think it is interesting and exciting that we're going to be seeing a uh, potentially see a deaf superhero take the lead. Um the deafness is actually something that Clint Barton has struggled with in the comics in the past. It was it played a big part in Matt Fraction's Hawkeye as well. So it'll be cool to see two deaf, um, like disabled superheroes share the screen in Hawkeye and then have one who actually has like deafness as a major part of our character uh, take the lead in her own series. So that's exciting, at least. Yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And I, I, you know, just, a, I guess, macro, like big picture kind of thing. It, it sort of sounds to me like a way for uh, Disney and Marvel to ease Jeremy Renner out of the picture and like have this be a show that stars, you know, whoever they end up cast casting to play Echo and uh, oh, like they already bringing cast someone. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Alaska Sorry about Cox, that. who appear who will appear in Hawkeye. Okay. So yeah, Cox and then maybe like a Haley Steinfeld or something could pop up in, in this show and, and, you know, maybe lead into that Young Avengers project that you've been um, sort of theorizing about for a little while. So um, that might be cool too. But uh, yeah, that's uh, Chris, do you have any, any thoughts about uh, either a Zatanna movie or, um, or a, a Hawkeye spinoff show here? Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the Hawkeye thing is, is really hard for me to comment on because I have no familiarity with the comics and, it just seems weird to me that they're already like, we got to plan a spinoff for this show that has not yet finished filming. But I guess that's, that's the Marvel way. Uh, as for Zantana, uh, I, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm the kind of outsider here because I do not think promising young woman is as good as everyone says it is. I don't think it's bad. I just, I, I continue to be very surprised that it's having such a successful award season run. Um, so I guess it's, that's really going to depend on like, if Emerald Fennell is going to end up directing it and who they cast as Antana. So uh, mm-hmm. that was a lot of words for me saying, I really have no opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Chris, I will say, I think you would like the Matt Fraction Hawkeye series. You know, everyone says that's really good. I just, I don't know. I have this, I said, I dislike comics. I just have trouble getting into them for some reason. I don't know. I can't explain it. That's okay I, too. I'm, <laughs> I'm not right for this world. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a definitive run though, HT, right? Like it it's, has a beginning, middle and end. It or? has a beginning, middle and end. So it's like a nice, it's own little story kind of in its own corner too. So it's not really related to any of the ongoing Avengers stuff either. So that's why I enjoy it so much. But you know, my first priority is to get uh, Chris to read Sandman anyways, because I know that's way, way more up his alley. I want to read that, but like the collection, it's like over a hundred dollars and I can't, I can't <laughs> justify that. Come on. I, <laughs> I'm a I'm a film critic and freelance writer. We can't afford things like that. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm sure your your uh, never ending quest to convince Chris to watch anime oh, yeah. also takes precedence. I have been too, watching so. anime. So oh, you have. Well, I, I watched Weathering with You, and I just watched uh, Garden of Words the other night. All right. Well, I'm going to get you on Satoshi Khan next. Yeah. Yeah. That good, sounds like a good another, luck with that one. <laughs> I don't know. Another tease for our uh, water episode, uh, water cooler episode coming later this week. So, 
Uh, all right, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all of these stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. This podcast is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER and partnership with MGM Northfield Park.